Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Gospel according to St. Luke Jesus appointed 72 other disciples whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the house to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick in it and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. The Gospel of the Lord. The urgent need for new apostles to evangelize the world. Among the crowds that followed Jesus, there was a large number of disciples. They included many who accompanied our Lord from the time of the baptism of John to the Ascension. The Acts of the Apostles gives us further news about some of these people, especially Joseph called Barsabbas and Matthias. Christ appeared to two of these disciples. Cleopas and his companion on the road to Amos. None of these disciples was called to be one of the original twelve apostles, but they were nevertheless an important and highly dedicated group of followers. They formed the nucleus of the primitive church after Pentecost. The Gospel of today's Mass tells of the time when Jesus appointed 72 of these disciples to prepare the people for his arrival. The harvest is plentiful, he told them, but the laborers are few. In our day, the apostolic panorama is equally immense. Traditionally, Christian countries which need to be re-evangelized, nations which have suffered many years of religious persecution, entire peoples thirsting for doctrine. We need only look about us at our surroundings, our place of work or study, the means of communication, in order to grasp the, grasp the dimensions of that, of what needs to be done. The harvest is plentiful. Whole countries and nations were 
religion and the Christian life were formerly flourishing and capable of fostering a viable and working community of faith, are now put to a hard test, and in some cases are even undergoing a radical transformation as a result of a constant spreading of an indifference to religion, of secularism and atheism. This particularly concerns countries and nations of the so-called First World, in which economic well-being and consumerism, even if coexistent with tragic situation of poverty and misery, inspires and sustains a life lived as if God did not exist. This indifference to religion and the practice of religion devoid of true meaning in the face of life's very serious problems are not less worrying and upsetting when compared with declared atheism. Sometimes, the Christian faith as well, while maintaining some of the externals of its tradition and rituals, tends to be separated from those moments of human existence which have the most significance, such as birth, suffering, and death. In such cases, the questions and formidable enigmas posed by these situations, if remaining without responses, expose contemporary people to an inconsolable delusion or to the temptation of eliminating the truly humanizing dimensions of life implicit in these problems. Now is the time to spread the divine seed and to harvest as well. There are these where it is difficult to sow, to sow the seed for lack of means. There are harvests which are being lost because there are not enough laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Early Christianity grew up in a world which seems very much like our own. It boasted abundant material means but suffered from great spiritual poverty. The early church had the necess necessary vigor to protect itself from paganizing influences. It was also vibrant enough to transform a worldly civilization from within. The world today seems no more difficult to evangelize. At first sight, it may appear to be close to Christ. Yet, if we are firmly united to the Lord as the first Christians were, we can be sure that the transformation will take place once again. How well are we succeeding in our efforts to transform the people around us, the members of our family, our friends, our colleagues at work? The world is in need of many things, but there is no doubt that it is in great need of apostles who are holy, cheerful, loyal to the church, and eager to make Christ known. The, the Lord is calling for us to work in His fields. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Prayer is the most effective means of winning new apostles. Our apostolic zeal has to be manifested, first of all, in a continuous prayer of petition for new apostles. Prayer always comes first. That cry of the Son of God, lamenting that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, is always relevant. How it tears at our heartstrings. That cry came from Christ's mouth for you to hear too. How have you responded to it to now? Do you pray at least daily? that intention of his 
Charity, the foundation of the apostolate. The harvest is plentiful. St. Gregory the Great has commanded, commented on this passage. It is indeed regrettable that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There is no shortage of people to hear the good news. What is missing are people to spread it. Our Lord wants us now to join with His disciples in the work of evangelization. Before sending out His disciples into the world, the Master revealed to them the, fa the Father and His wonderful love for them. As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. I chose you and appointed you that you may grow, go, and bear fruit. With this clear vision, we should go to the corners of the earth to reveal and communicate the Lord of God, the love of God to all men and to all peoples. The Christian will be an apostle insofar as he or she is a friend of God. This friendship with God needs to be a daily affair. This attitude will stand in marked contrast to the pervasive distrust and aggressiveness of our environment. When those around us see that we are trustworthy, that we are ready to be of service, that we do not harbor resentment, that we do not speak ill of anyone, they should find that Christians are different because we follow Christ. We may have different opinions one from another, but we do not attack other people personally. When no one is excluded from our apostolate and assistance, then we are giving true testimony to Christ. Joy ought to accompany the message of Christ. Alongside our charity, we have to also show the world our joy. This is the joy the Lord promised us at the Last Supper. It springs from our effort to put aside personal worries and enter into friendship with God. Joy is essential to the apostolate. Who will be attracted by a sad and negative critic or a gloomy complainer? The apostolic fruitfulness of the first Christians was the result, in good part, of their joy at being the heralds of the good news. They were the messengers of the one who had brought salvation to the world. They shone forth as a happy people in the middle of the world in anguish. Their happiness spread abroad their faith in Christ. It was a special gift that they shared in their families and among their friends, at every moment since it was their very reason for living. Christian joy has a solid foundation in the reality of divine filiation. This is the recognition that one is a son or daughter of God at all times. As Chesterton suggests, it is joy not because we are in the right place, but because we are in the wrong place. We were lost, but someone has found us and is leading us home. It is joy not because we are all right. We are not, but because someone has put us right. Christian joy comes from facing up to the one really sad fact of life, which is sin, encountering it with a joyful fact that is even realer and stronger than sin, God's love and mercy. Let us ask ourselves whether we reflect Christian joy in our ordinary life. We have so many reasons for being happy, to wonder of our divine filiation, the comfort of divine mercy, the knowledge that we are on the road to heaven, 
the joy of being able to receive communion so often. The first step towards bringing others to the ways of Christ is that for them to see you happy and serene, sure in your advance towards God. In combination with the joy and charity of Christ, we have to be able to express the truths of the faith which will make others happy. Only convinced Christians have any chance of convincing others. Half-convinced Christians won't even half-convince anybody. They won't convince at all. We give you thanks, Almighty God, for all thy benefits. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.